it's great to see you again. It's uh, great to be part of this project here, Munich Digital Day. Actually, Nick and me, we studied 25 years ago, I think. <laughs> it's right now together in Heidelberg. It's unbelievable, 25 years. Huh? Okay, uh, so it's great to be here today and to give you a kind of a little bit of the medical perspective. Um, well, uh, from a physician and researcher's point of view, we are very Uh, we are very thankful that uh, people like Nick help us to make use of our data because actually uh, I will try to give you an overview, me being a radiologist, a new radiologist, that basically the vast majority of research in our field really depends on an intelligent use of data. So without, without the use of data, we pretty much can't do anything currently in research and medicine and radiology. Okay. Disclosure is very important, medical field to give a brief overview at every talk. And um, I want to start with a famous citation from an, a very famous informatics professor, Geoffrey Hinton. He was one of the leading guys in artificial intelligence. He said in 2016, people should stop training radiologists now. <laughs> And you might imagine, like being a radiologist, this was kind of worrisome. And uh, to put it perhaps in even better words, Steve Jobs said, uh, if you don't cannibalize yourself, someone else will. So what did he mean with it? Well, I'll give you an example of the iPod that Steve Jobs actually invented. Uh, a lot of us will still in 2006 probably still had an iPod and that changed dramatically. Like the revenue of iPods, it decreased dramatically with the beginning of 2007. Why was that? Well, the... Uh, answer to this is very easy it was uh, we had a transformation towards the iphone so steve jobs cannibalized this market the ipod to actually have the bigger market of the iphone and that turned out to be kind of successful however some people didn't believe it at that time for example steve ballmer ceo of microsoft said at that time 500 that is the most expensive phone in the world you know we've our strategy we've got a great motorola for now 99 Well, I like our strategy. I like it a lot. Well, it turned out that was not correct. Okay, so what do I want to say? Um, there are changes in the medical field, especially in the field of radiology. Uh, today, so this is, if you go to a clinical practice or a hospital, it will look like this, and there's a radiologist. He's saying, this is me in my working place. However, it could also be a transformation. Why do we have to have the, uh, all the imaging in the hospital? For example, MRI. Isn't it possible to get a quick MRI of your knee or of your back or of your shoulder at Walmart or at Aldi or whatever? Like, uh, why is it necessary to have an appointment that is three months later? It's usually very difficult to, to get an MRI appointment, even though you could earn money with it from an economic point of view if you had a very, uh, if you have got a very dense scheduling. Um, the second question is, is my profession, is it really needed? Like, can we replace my work with AI? And will we have this transformation? And is the truth that it's already possible? However, we've got the special regulations of the health system, especially the use of data, and that this impedes this transformation would otherwise would happen. Let me give you my thoughts on that. Um, first of all, there is no doubt the, uh, the interest in artificial intelligence, machine learning, in radiology medicine is increasing exponentially. This is like the publications in this field in different areas of the world. So it's increasing everywhere. And however, we still have some way to go. This is uh, one of the leading journals of AI. And actually we saw within the pandemic, 
Um, very interesting. Hundreds of AI tools have been built to catch COVID. None of them helped. That was published in the middle of 2021. So we might have good ideas, but finally bridging the last mile, getting them into clinical practice currently does not work overwhelmingly good. And to give you an idea what currently is happening, we see uh, companies, big companies like Bayer or whatever, or small startups coming up with AI solutions like every week we've got a new company. But at the end of the day, very little of them really make it into clinical practice. But they would be, and I think this is partly because of uh, legal regulations that are in the medical field much more difficult than on other markets. So what kind of products will we see on the market? Just let me give you a little bit of science. I know the vast majority of you are probably lawyers, but I try to explain it in the way that it's uh, understandable for you. Uh, so that is a devastating disease. It's a brain tumor that you, that you can see here. But for doctors, it's essential to get an idea how big is the brain tumor, how does it behave, does it respond to therapy, and to adapt therapy. And however, in clinical practice, we usually measure tumors like this are like this, and there are differences. You can see here, radiologist A says, this tumor has got a size of 22 square centimeter. This radiologist measured it in a different way. And of course, that makes a difference in the actual therapy of patients, and that is ridiculous. This is something we really should overcome because it cannot be on the one side. We are using our, our phones with our faces, with the face recognition. On the other side, we measure tumors like diameters, uh, but that is what is happening in 99.9% .9 of all hospitals still in the world. So that's definitely where something where we need AI and where we need machine learning to automatically segment the tumors and give you an idea how this will look like. This is the radiologist here. This is again a brain tumor that is segmented. We've got the AI tool here on the uh, right side. This is the radiologist and you can see the difference here. And the truth is, um, it's not only that the AI tool is at least as good as the radiologist, it's even better because it's guaranteed that overall sites in the world, everywhere the same criteria are used. Uh, you might have radiologist A in one hospital and radiologist B that tend to delineate the tumor in slightly different ways. And then you've got different therapy response uh, assessment and especially um different therapies for the patients, which is of course something we want to avoid. So here definitely the algorithm is better than using a human radiologist. Next step, I told you, well, why do we have to have the MRI, for example, in the hospital? And why not in Walmart? That is very provocative. I, let me be clear, I don't think that we will see this soon, but we, we need to ask disruptive questions if we want to be at the top of the movement. So usually what radiologists will answer you is, well, we've got the, the safety aspect. Half of all MRI examinations, they, they, we need contrast agents. So to delineate tumors or, uh, or, or seizures better um, in a way that, that we can see the pathologies better in the brain. So um, I'll give you an example how this was look, would look like. On the left side here, we see a brain scan without contrast agents. Here in the middle, there is we use gadolinium, that is the contrast agent. We can see all the vessels lightening up. That is impossible to see without contrast. However, we can uh, actually uh, calculate it with the help of AI. This is what we call virtual gadolinium. Here, this is an example. So we, there is no need to inject any material into the patient. There is uh, no discomfort for the patient. 
And uh, of course, this is something that will facilitate the whole workflow a lot. And uh, we, we caught the uh, interest also of the, uh, of the uh, medical world, the Silicon Valley. And uh, I was contacted by the pharmaceutical companies when we first introduced it. I was, uh, and please remember the statement of Steve Jobs, if you don't cannibalize yourself, someone else will. So the market will change there. However, um, what do we expect in the future with the use of AI and medicine and in my field, radiology especially? Um, Actually, this is Larry Tannenbaum, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. And he is in charge of a great, uh, uh, huge company for radiologists. I think there are 7,000 radiologists only in this company in the US. And believe me, if there is one place in the world where there would be eager to play, to replace radiologists with AI would be like the, the big chains in the US, because that would definitely save them. Uh, labor costs, and they would definitely welcome it. And he said the market for applications is heating up. However, most of the applications are still uh, rather features uh, than products. And uh, uh, so that is definitely true. But to be also clear, this is something that will change over time. So we will see a more and more replacement with better products of the radiology work. However, and that is very important to understand. This is also what I tell my always what I tell my medical colleagues. Uh, there are unsolvable problems. There are boundaries for AI applications, and this is the quality of the data. Let me give you an example. On the left side, you see a standard telescope. On the right side, you see the Hubble Space Telescope. So right you now, you can. So the question is, can I create the Hubble Space Telescope image out of the standard telescope image with whatever AI algorithm I want to use? Uh, the answer is no, no, it is impossible because the image must contain the information that we finally want to achieve. So the, the, uh, the data that we are getting with the help of AI, I always maximum as good as the data uh, that we use as, as, as a basis. So that is very important to understand. Um, very often in medicine and radiology and other disciplines today, I, I read reviews where physicians tell, well, we've got these kind of data, we use some AI algorithm we use, and so finally everything is solved. No, that doesn't work. So this is something, please avoid the AI hype. AI is always as good as the underlying data. So I believe medicine will change, but everything depends on the fact that we are able to order our data to, uh, to structure them. And um, to give you what it means, for example, for the virtual contrast that I explained, uh, we will be able to replace contrast in some cases. In some cases, we will only be able to reduce it with AI. The truth is, for example, this huge brain tumor, we will find with the help of AI. However, this small metastasis, we are talking about this very easy to overlook. I doubt that we will find it with AI. And so, again, the information must be contained in the images, must be contained in the data. So everything depends on the quality of the data. So how can we collect our data? Let, let's, at the end, let me introduce um, like an innovative idea recently published on Nature from, our, from Bonn. Um, so because of all those privacy sharing uh, uh, restrictions that we have. Um, our colleagues, they actually created 
and a different kind of learning they called swarm learning and swarm learning is meant that none of the data is shared and none of the algorithm is shared. So all of the data and all the algorithms stay at the site and they are only connected with a swarm. However, only uh, so nothing is shared between, this, uh, between the sites, but only the parameters that are the results of the equations are shared. So that is a totally new approach that might help, help to overcome some data privacy restrictions we will see what the future brings. Um, whatever, we need some ways to uh, overcome these restrictions that are currently really harming a lot of our projects. So let me summarize, like it or like not, AI is here to stay as medical doctors, as physicians, we have to live with it. For my personal field, radiologists, I think we will not be replaced, but I'm pretty much sure that radiologists who are not familiar with AI will be replaced with radiologists that are familiar with AI. So this will definitely change. However, please keep in mind, um, be a little careful with, this, uh, with the AI hype in medicine. Not everything is solved just because we use AI. And finally, everything is about the data. We need to make uh, the best of our data. We need to structure ourselves. Finally, um, we need to address all these issues. Uh, I don't think that the approach of William II, who said, I believe in the horse, the automobile as a temporary phenomenon is a good approach and with this well, thanks for inviting me uh thank you for your attention great thank you so much well it's good to see you again and good to see how how devoted you are to mm -hmm. using ai in healthcare and i think one question i think we might both discuss is actually first of all i think what you presented as something which has extreme value for patient safety. And in the long yeah. term, do we really think that AI will be, or does AI have the potential to really replace potentially harmful pharmaceutical or metagenic interventions? Do you think that that might be an option that we might not one day need to use a contrast when doing MRI scans? Yes, I'm, so personally, I'm, I'm convinced that we will ch see a change of the market here. Like, um, uh, but the truth is also, it's not so easy. So we must do it in a really very good way. So currently the problem that we have is that everybody pretends, everybody says, well, we, we did some AI and we've got some results. And no, it's, it's not the way it works. It's really, you need huge resources. You need very good informatics. You need very you need a huge amount of high quality data and if you combine all these skills very good um, maths very good data i'm sure that we will see a change in the practice field and that is as you pointed it out correctly that will improve patient safety because we've got some some side effects like allergic reactions where where, where people might die from um, of course, they are rare, but uh, it is one example where AI really can help. And another another example is, for example, brain bleedings, like the initial case that you that you presented. They might sometimes they are very subtle, and you can overlook them easily. And why don't you? Why don't we use an algorithm that says, "Well, okay, the algorithm says there isn't there isn't brain bleeding. Watch out, like it only pops out then in a red light or whatever." And I think that's the future. So I don't want to. If, if I as a patient, if I get to a hospital, I don't want to have a radiologist who has got a night shift, didn't sleep well, and I want an algorithm that has a look at my brain. And that tells me it's, it's, there is no brain bleeding. I would feel much more comfortable. 
And uh, I think that's definitely the future. And that is where we can help patients a lot and where, uh, really, uh, where really patient safety, where the whole treatment of the patients will improve dramatically. Well, thank you very much. Um, as a last question, maybe because we only have three minutes left, um, there's always this notion that AI will actually replace, especially radiologists, replace healthcare professionals in general. Um, to my mind, I think, and that's something which we debated in politics a lot, AI will always remain a tool, a tool which has to be used in the right hands. People need to be trained of using AI in healthcare. It, it needs to be reliable, but it will never be able to replace a physician. It will always be something which needs to be reevaluated by a physician and applied by a physician. Is that the view you also have? Or it might actually reduce the number of radiologists out there, but also maybe even increase the quality. What do you think? <laughs> I cannot agree more, Nick. Like, um, at the end of the day, you always, it's also a liability question. Like, at the end of the day, uh, somebody has to sign the report and somebody has to say, well, I'm sure that this is the right diagnosis. But however, um, it will, for example, you will be able to, to read much more cases per, per hour than, than previously. So the reality might be that we will need less radiologists. We will see. That might happen. And I think, uh, but this is something we cannot change. It, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I'm totally convinced that medicine will become better, will, will, will get better with the help of, uh, with the, help of uh, the right tools. And this is the, the main task that's currently on the table. However, also not all tools are good. There are some that are really crappy and that might even harm the patients. And so good doctors will understand which tools to use in the right way, but they need to know, they need to have knowledge about how that all works. So I cannot imagine that we will have radiologists or doctors in the future that are totally not familiar with these new techniques. Great, thank you. Maybe the last question before we finish up, do you think as a physician, as a citizen and as a patient itself, do you think that we need the European health data space? Do you think that having such a regulation will benefit all the stakeholders mentioned in the regulation? Well, I don't have the overview what's, what's finally allowed or what is not, but we need uh, some legal boundaries that of course we want to protect sensible, uh, sensitive patient data, but we don't want to harm uh, good science that is for the good of our patients. So we want to enable good science uh, on the one hand and keeping sensitive informations confidential. Great. Thank you so much, Alex. It was good to have you on board again. And I think I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you soon on pers in person again. I'm Same here, Nick. Same here. <laughs> I know, I know. I now have to actually catch a train to actually go to Munich because I have another meeting in, in Munich in person. But that fills up my Munich digital day today. And I think I wish you all a very successful digital day with Simmons and Simmons today and hope seeing you soon, either in Berlin or in Munich or elsewhere on this globe. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.